It's the Empowerment Perspective Radio Show, hosted by Demiso Josie, Kareem Spence, and Miss Stacy Sanderson Dick. Stay empowered. Stay empowered. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Empowerment Perspective. I go by the name of Demiso Josie. Now nah, I'm just playing. Demiso's <laughs> off today, so I'm here and running the show. So best believe it's going to be a petty show today. And what could be more petty than talking about people's money? But uh, before we get to that, and we have some special guests that's going to come in. Um, Stacy, how was your day? It was good. I was able to drop off the back-to-school donations this morning. So I just want to thank everybody that participated in the drive, and we were able to help a lot of kids and get some extra supplies into a school in need. That's outstanding. So were they really happy with your effort? Yes. Okay. Because yes. you had a really busy morning. Like you sent me the text yesterday and you was like, yo, we got to be there at 10 o'clock. I'm like, no, you could be there at 10 o'clock. But I You were petty and maybe, I, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> My husband loaded the car up for me, so that was appreciative. Really? I appreciated okay. that. Okay. So, and we actually have another special guest. Brittany's here. Brittany Miss Creech, which is one of my favorite teachers, even though she Hi. doesn't share she doesn't share lunch with me, but she's Never. here with us today. <laughs> uh, so, last time we were here, guys, we, we talked about getting our students prepared to go back to school. So, uh, Brittany, just share with us some of the tips that you have, or did you share with us last time? There was a lot of ground that we covered, but a few of the important things, I think, were getting your child on a routine, making sure they're going to bed at a decent time, getting up early. For math, definitely practicing all of those multiplication and addition facts and those basic skills. And then really getting to know your teachers as well. I, I think hitting them strong right off the bat and just opening those lines of communication are going to be important this year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and you touched on that, and I thought that was really key. Um, having that line of communication between teacher, student, and um, the student, I mean, teacher, student, and parent, that's, that's big because you want to make sure that everybody's on the same page and moving forward. Um, so that they think they can have a successful learner. So, uh, Stacy, tell me about your weekend. What did you do? Could you talk to me about your daughter and the difficulties you guys have? We're struggling with the, the school packet this summer. Now, she's, do you, do you what hate is the school packet? Her summer work. I, she's going into second grade. You guys don't give summer work down there? No. I'm sending my kids down there then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, suggestions. Yeah, so that, that caused a little discourse. <laughs> so they don't do the summer slide and they don't lose a whole lot. So the, the boys are doing slide. Nusella, which I like. They're do, reading 10 articles based uh-huh. on their grade level and their reading level in a genre they pick. And then they're just breaking down like three d- details, main idea, and then they're going to write an essay at the end of how they all tie together. So right. that's been better than the book. Okay. I like that a lot. They like it a lot better. Really? Okay. So today's lineup, again, like I said, we're going to get really petty. We're going to start talking about money and, more importantly, what uh, parents can start to do before uh, the school year begins. So we have the business diva that's on her way. Uh, we have the scholarship lady. But we're going to start off with um, with someone that I've met just recently, um, Sergio Carrera. So, I mean, he he's actually has a remarkable story. So, Sergio, tell the people a little bit about you. Uh, so for myself right now, um, I am a college recruiter. Um, I've been a recruiter um, in the higher education field for about four or five years. Um, and for myself, I love to work with my students, especially my first generation college students, uh, where I can help them grow as individuals, help them mold themselves, especially coming right out of high school now, understanding where, where they're coming from and what they mm-hmm. want to do, um, help them find that major and find that passion for what they want for in, in college. Yeah, we actually talked before the uh, the segment started, and we were talking about discovering a why, you know. And um, for you, like, what would you, what is your reason to want to give back and actually help people? So, um, when I finished high school, um, I played uh, I played baseball at uh, Millville Senior High School. Um, I had shoulder surgery, and uh, 
going into my senior year, um, I realized that maybe college baseball wasn't going to be a thing for me. I wasn't going to be able to get that four-year experience, go play baseball. Um, so one of my guidance counselors, awesome guy, uh, he said, hey, man, um, if you're not going to go away to a four-year school, how about you go to community college? I'm like, oh, community college, why don't I want to do that? Mm-hmm. So um, I ended up going to community college, went into a summer program, loved the summer program, became a family, uh, went to, uh, ended up getting my degree, my associate's degree, uh, going to Rhone University for my four-year degree. And I ended up working in higher education, being a mentor, started off, and then becoming a recruiter uh, for specific programs, and then coming into, um, going into a different school and being able to work with my students and make some workshops for them and helping them out every step of the way and working with uh, guidance counselors to give my students every day can, especially helping them with their financial aid um, and giving them that passion. So being for myself, I wanted to, I always wanted to go to school to wear a shirt and tie and a suit and help people, but I never realized that working in higher education was going to be my passion that I found. That's outstanding. So I, I want to get to the, the baseball thing. So when they pitched the idea to you about you going to uh, JUCO, did, did you think in your mind, like, I can go and I can ball out? See, I felt like I could, <laughs> but then I realized I'm like, oh, my shoulder's not there all the way. You okay. know, I can okay. ball out other ways. But uh, yeah, I, re- I definitely had the idea. I wanted to do it, but uh, I had I still was rehabbing, and then I started working. Uh, and I started working at Best Buy. I was a sales associate. It was my first job. Okay. Um, I was an umpire, and I was like, do I still do I want to play and not really play, or do I want to umpire and make some money out of it and still be involved in the game? And I was like, oh yeah, I definitely want to do that. With no doubt about. Okay. Now. Going to, to junior college, I mean, that, that had to be quite a struggle. Because I know when I went to junior college, it was a struggle for me. It was probably the toughest part of education that I had to experience. How, how was it for you? It was definitely tough. So going into uh, community college, a lot of my friends went away to the four-year schools and they got that four-year degree, mm-hmm. or they got that four-year experience. And I was like, oh, man. Even I look on Facebook now, I see uh, some of my memories. It says, oh, man, I'm going to community college. Oh, that sucks. And to this day, I'm like, oh, man, that was like the best decision I ever made uh, because I felt like I wasn't getting that experience. I felt like community college, like people always said, it was like 13th grade. But in all actuality, it was something that you make of it. And I ended up meeting some incredible people. I had some great mentors. And honestly, I loved it. Um, Mm -hmm. Best experience. If I could have got my four-year degree at a community college, I really would have, to Mm -hmm. be honest. Okay. Now, here's, here's what's interesting. I want to hold, want you to hold that, that, that thought for me uh, for a second, Sergio. Um, Demiso must heard that I was impersonating, and now he's he's on the phone. So, uh, hey, Demiso, hey. Demiso, you there? Yes, sir. Uh, you must have heard that I, I was actually impersonating you like I was going to run the show, even though I got the keys to the kingdom today. <laughs> they let you fly the ship, huh? After, listen, you know how dangerous it's going to be. You know, last time I took control of the car, I wound up in Delaware somewhere. So, I don't know where we're going to go with this show. <laughs> that is absolutely true, man. Uh, I just wanted to call in because I had to take a personal story I wanted to share real quick. I know it's kind of interrupting the flow a little bit, but uh, so I'm I'm in the Hamptons at this wedding. Okay, that's big. And, um, so when you're in the Hamptons, you figure people got money, right? So yes, yeah, yeah, champagne, caviar, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm I'm missing uh happy hour right now. The drinks are starting to flow right happy now. We'll so get back in there Already? in a minute. <laughs> Already, I can't waste no time so up there. Eleven thirty. I said that's crazy. Mm. So. Um, I'm sitting here driving, had to rent a car, $200, had to, you know, tolls, gas, the aggravation of all the traffic, and these fools still want a gift from me. <laughs> Should I be taking that person? I'm not. Listen, you're asking the wrong one. Yeah, so <laughs> Stacy told me she's going to a wedding. So Stacy, I need you to take one. You bring a gift. Why do you have a car? Why would you rent a car? Because it was too far and all that traffic. Oh. Plus, I'm bringing, I had to bring other people with me. 
Okay. But why should I bring a gift? You're having a wedding in the Hamptons. You obviously have money. Why do you need a gift from it? Bring him a picture frame. Picture frame? <laughs> a picture frame. No, you need to take huh. a gift. Can you take like, Can you drop off like a gift card? Because the surgeon said he used to work for Best Buy. Can you like drop him off a, a gift card? <laughs> See, they, what they don't understand is my bank account is the way it's set up. Is I got <laughs> That's what they don't understand. Oh man. Nah. Yeah, but, you, um, you gotta drop like twenty, thirty dollars. I mean, you have to. That's the minimum. Listen, I'm dropping the G on gas alone to get out here. You know they're gonna talk about you. Like he showed up, he didn't <laughs> give us a gift, and they probably recording everything. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but um, good show so far. I'm listening. I'm gonna have to get back in here and uh, get my drink and eat on and dance on. Y'all enjoy yourself. Yeah, As bring I some uh, time at this expensive wedding. Yeah, bring some caviar back. And some some little, uh, the little crackers they have it on, too. <laughs> all right. So all the listeners out there, stay empowered. All right, boss. Sounds like fun. It sounds like he's having a great time. Sounds like he's being petty yeah. up there. <laughs> he's taking over your role up there a little bit. It, it, it's fine. I mean, you need to have a certain amount of pettiness to be in the Hamptons. Like, for them to be in the Hamptons, that means they are automatically petty because they didn't want to live downtown with everybody else. So they just never been petty. to the Hamptons. Uh, me neither. It's fun. You've been? Yes. You Did like you start it. drinking at noon? Drinking at no, I had to drink before I got there just because I knew I was gonna <laughs> spend a lot of money. All right, so Sergio, we back to you. So you were telling us your story about being at the um, community college level and some of the stumbles. I know that for me, the writing classes destroyed me. And because I have a tendency not to like to read directions, um, I wound up taking um, I think it was English one oh one and then I took a step back because I wasn't paying attention. I just looked at the course description and the days and times, and it worked out for me. I wound up taking English 80. So I finished 101 my first semester. My second semester, I went back, and I took English 80. I didn't realize it until probably halfway through the semester that I was actually taking the wrong class. So she looked at me, and she was like, didn't you read it? And I said, no, nah, I, I didn't read. So did you have anything like that? Because, I, again, I, I do stuff, and I don't ask questions. I just go do it. Do you have any stories like that at JUCO? Uh, so for me, um, I actually got really lucky. So the program that I was in, um, they basically, they held, they held my hand all the way through my two years that I was there. So they made sure they knew exactly what I had to take, uh, what I was doing. But I've seen a lot of students actually have that, um, have that problem. So um, a lot of students who weren't eligible for the program that I work for, I was able to actually, I actually took them in, make sure that they actually looked at their classes because they're like, oh, man, I took this course. And I'm like, you realize this doesn't really go in your course? They're like, well, I didn't yeah, that's know. Me. That's me. That's exactly who I am. <laughs> All I'm looking at is the dates and the times. And if it works with my schedule and I can go hang out and party, then, yes, I'm going to take that class, even though it's the wrong one. I just found my daughter's tutor. You don't read directions either? No, I don't. All right. No, okay, we're going to set up some tutoring sessions. I got somebody for you. you. You haven't figured out that I don't read directions at all? I didn't think you did. No. I, just go, I just go do it. I just, <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm the guidance counselor that buses in the classroom during instruction time. I don't care what they're doing. I'm here, and I need everybody to pay attention to me. That's why. <laughs> I let them in. I'm guilty. <laughs> yes. So. They don't lock the door when they see you coming? They, well, the doors are already locked. We have that new program now. The doors are automatic. Yeah, that's right. But I, I come in the classroom. I use the phone. I strip all. I, I'm I'm a walking confusion and or and chaos. That's who I am in a building. Just what teachers need, right? Right in the middle of a lesson. Yes. Sometimes they need a break. Sometimes <laughs> they forget what they're supposed to be doing. I just walk their room and and I'm here. So, but Sergio, so you actually talked about your your baseball, your your passion and your love for baseball. So, how did you actually hurt your? Uh, was it rotator cuff that you tore? I tore. I ended up tearing my labrum, um, which is very yeah very similar to my rotator cuff. 
That's painful. Now, yeah. were you on the mound doing this, or you- um, I'm a, I was a catcher. No, nah, you weren't a catcher. Hey man, I'm I'm quick, but I'm small. Yeah, it's one of those things. I, that's what everybody says, but I was quick to the plate. So that second out. base. I was a second baseman as well. Second base okay. shortstop was more utility, but the only position I could have played was third or first because third I was scared and first base I was too short. What do you mean you were scared at third? The hot corner you didn't like? No, I did not like that. I like the cold corner. That's what I liked. But the hot corner, you get all the action. <laughs> yeah, you're right, but behind the plate you do too, so I'd rather be able to control the game in that way. Okay. Now, you actually said that when you were at Millville, Mike, was, Mike Trout was actually leaving. Yes. Okay. So uh, going into my freshman year, he was, uh, I think he ended up graduating. Yes. Okay. Now, what was some of the stories? Because you had to be in middle school, I would say probably eighth grade. Now, what were some of the stories like, that you heard about him on the field? Uh, so for myself, like, he, um, he grew up, since he grew up in Millville and he played Bay Roof and everything, like, they're telling me how fast he was, how he would just hit a ball in a gap and he, he would just, he came around and would do a score easily, mm-hmm. like, with no doubt about it. Like, he was just in a league of his own. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he ended up getting drafted, People were just like, oh, okay, he went 25. That's pretty good. And then the kind of player he is now, people are like, oh, he should have went easily number one. So it's just it's crazy because people are like, oh, Mike Trout's a great player. But to see him where he is now and mm-hmm. how he, he developed oh, is incredible how the kind of player he is. So I actually want to go down to, is it the Phenom Academy or is it the Phenom? Yeah, the uh, Phenom Baseball Academy. Yes, okay. Right. So what is it that you guys are doing down there that are helping, you know, potential, I want to say, Mike Trout's develop in Millville? Because you guys have a really good program for what I see online. Yeah, so for, um, for the Phenom, oh, I'm sorry, it was the Phenom, uh, Phenom Factory Baseball Academy. So what we do is um, we have our lessons. We have like four or five, six instructors that we go. I'm one of the catching instructors and hitting instructors. So um, we have clinics um, for, our, for our players who want to come in from any age group, from if you want to be seven or eight, that you're still trying to figure out if you like baseball, um, to all the way until you're 15, 16, 17, that that's something that um, baseball is something you want to do. You want to be very serious with it. So for myself, I'm actually doing a clinic in September. Um, for a baseball team that I play for in, in the Philadelphia Fall League, where I'm raising money for a team that we raise money for um, a little girl with cancer. Um, okay. Our family, um, we help them pay some of their bills. So um, I'm doing a five-session uh, five clinic, so I help my catchers get better. Mm-hmm. Um, I help develop some, um, some stamina behind the plate. Um, I make it easy for them. So in practice, we work a lot harder, so your games are like your off days. So I try to give them that development. And we try to do everything we can to make the, stu- uh, make the players enjoy the game. So, Because we have a lot of people, um, when I umpire that, um, a lot of the kids are playing the game because kind of their parents want them to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want, them, I, I want my uh, players to be able to enjoy it and to be able to actually understand what's going on and at a young age. So when they get older, they understand what's going on. They, they, just, they just excel, and it can be that Mike, Mike Trout caliber player mm-hmm. um, if they can be there as long as they understand where they're going. Now, how do you actually combine the athletic part and the academic part when you're working with these young students? Also, for myself, uh, one thing my mom always taught me, so um, even though I had hurt my shoulder, uh, my mom always told me, hey, education is a key. You can lose baseball tomorrow, but um, if you have your education, nobody can take that away from you. And mm-hmm. I never understood that aspect until I got hurt, and I'm like, oh, man, like I wanted to play baseball in college. But for myself, I ended up uh, with like top 15% of my class, um, luckily, and um, ended up getting like New Jersey stars. And when I went to community college, it worked out. But the way I explain it to my students is um, I, I talk to them. I say, hey, let's um, make, make uh, when I'm my older guys, um, I talk to them and say, hey, let's start. Let's work on your finance. Uh, let's work on your fastball and being able to work in a college setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell them all the time, hey, um, make sure you start working on this. Make sure you're working on that. And I educate them and I educate their parents. That's the best bet. The more you can educate the parents on what they need to do, the better, because they'll start getting that ball rolling. And then the student will understand what they need to do and what they're uh, and what 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 they want to do and they'll have an aspect of that 
Okay. So as for students that are returning to school within the next couple of weeks, what would you suggest for them to start preparing to do? They're talking about your athletes and, and as well as the, the young people that's going to school. So for my uh, so what I would say is October first is um is a, is where the fastball begins. So the earlier you can do your fastball, the better. Um, the better aspect. So what you can do, you still add all the schools that you want to go to until you get to the end of your semester where you got prom going on, you have the graduation, when you understand where you're going to go. So if you do go to community college, you go to that four-year school, you just you can switch that and make them your number one school. Um, you can start getting everything ball rolling, having your parents information that you need, go to, the IR, uh, go to IRS and make sure you're getting your tax transcripts and things and that nature. I would say that. And Take your SATs a second time just to have it. Um, okay. Try to do your best to do well, because even at the community college level, we take your SATs, and if you do well on it, mm -hmm. um, you'll be placed out of that remedial, your remedial courses, which a lot of people don't understand is you may be able to graduate in four years, but that's if you're not in remedial courses. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say if, if the better you do, the better you do on your acuplacers and things like that for any college, it's going to be the better best uh, for you when you go to your four-year school or your community college. So you can go right into your, your regular English 101, your mm -hmm. English 102, your math, so then you can be on track to graduate in that four years or five years, depending on how long it's going to take you. Okay, outstanding. So we have to take a quick commercial, back, commercial break, and when we return, we have the scholarship lady that's going to be on the line. Do you remember modems, VCRs, wooden tennis rackets? Of course you do, but you never think about them because they are so extremely outdated. What about sports drinks? Let's say goodbye to that old artificial neon standby. There's a new sports drink called Body Armor with natural flavors and sweeteners, more electrolytes and more vitamins. Body Armor is the more natural, better sports drink. Thanks, Gatorade. We'll take it from here. Find Body Armor at Walmart and ShopRite. Hi, I'm Gary Monteroso, and I just love the sound of beer being poured into a glass. If you also enjoy a cold brew, then join Tara Nuren and me every week for What's on Tap. We'll bring you tasting reviews, some of the top personalities in the beverage world, and much more. Saturdays at 1 p.m. on 99.9 FM, 1240 AM, and online at snjtoday.com. Since 1979, Sun Valley Pools has been serving the Tri-County area by selling and installing quality above-ground pools. Sun Valley Pools on Sherman Avenue has a large selection of pool toys and games. They are also a BioGuard Platinum dealer with an expertly trained water analysis staff. Have a summer of family fun right in your own backyard. Stop by or call today to get the pool of your dreams from your local pool leader. Sun Valley Pools in Vineland. Do you remember modems, VCRs, wooden tennis rackets? Of course you do, but you never think about them because they are so extremely outdated. What about sports drinks? Let's say goodbye to that old artificial neon standby. There's a new sports drink called Body Armor with natural flavors and sweeteners, more electrolytes and more vitamins. Body Armor is the more natural, better sports drink. Thanks, Gatorade. We'll take it from here. Find Body Armor at Walmart and... Okay, everyone, welcome back to the Empowerment Perspective Radio. And again, I'm Spence. I have the keys to the king today. I have Stacy, I have Sergio, and I have Brittany with us. And I have one of my special friends who actually changed my whole outlook when it comes to school counseling. Um, Carla Dickinson, the scholarship lady, D.C., how are you? How are you? I'm doing well. So you're down there soaking up all the sun down in Miami when you know you should be here <laughs> working with us. 
Yeah, and you know what? And that's why I decided I would at least talk to you by phone and give you something <laughs> out of this entire thing. Yes. So, and as I always say, you know, and I'll tell everyone that you actually changed my outlook on school counseling because it's not so much as emotional and social anymore. Now it got to be about the money and making sure right. that people can actually um, achieve some of the dreams. So um, tell us a little bit about you, how you got your start. All right. Well, that story probably would go on for five shows, but I'm going to try to keep it brief. Okay. <laughs> um, initially, you know, I started in the business, you know, not of education. You know, I many years ago, I was in journalism and, you know, I had the English background and the writing background. Um, I did that for several years. In fact, I got my start in Miami. This is basically the beginning for me. So it's kind of a full circle when I come back this many years later. Of course, I'm visiting and doing a little bit of work at the same time because my son actually lives here, one of my sons. But when I say that, when I think of Florida, I just remember I would never, ever think I would be the scholarship lady. I mean, when I come to Florida, I'm thinking, I'm the scholarship lady? (laughs) That's usually not what I'm accustomed to, but, you know, you don't wake up when you're like, nine or ten and say you want to be the scholarship lady you sort of make yourself become the scholarship lady and that's exactly what i did um through something that really was not exactly you know a a great situation a very um humbling situation i lost my mother early on and i had to come back to the dc area where my dad was living and sort of help get through all of that and I just needed to take some time away so I took about six months off and decided to do a leave of absence in the DC area I decided to volunteer at a high school after about two months just to kind of help with my grief a little bit and so my scholarship lady is dedicated to my mom because without that great loss became a great gain and I do it for students but I also do it to give back to my mother my mother was a nurse. She was a human servant. You know, she taught me about making sure that, you know, it's not, it's about money because you have to have money to survive, but you must sort of really love what you're doing. You need some passion, connection to it, and then it won't really feel like a job, and you need to give back to society, and she taught me that. So I came back, you know, uh, to Florida later just to visit my kids because, um Early on, when I got in that news, I was living here and my kids were here, and I had to go back in the emergency. And so I say all this to say, just to kind of speed the story up, that it sort of just started just gaining legs. It just grew. And I started doing this volunteering, and one thing led to another, and the principal of the school said, gosh, you really are kind of the kind of person that I'd like to see in a counseling position at the school, you know, we had several conversations, and long story short, he offered me a counseling position at the high school, something where I could sort of commute back to my kids at the time I was going through a divorce and, you know, had lost my mom at the same time. So I just had a lot on my plate, and I kind of felt like my mother's angel was saying, hey, stay in D.C., you know, this is the time, do it. And that's exactly what I did, and I... I probably generated about $6 million with the scholarship money uh, in the four or five years that I was a counselor. And then I just decided to branch out on my own after that. I really wanted to help people across the United States. And 
even though I started out as Scholarship Lady DC, since that was my home base, I now am helping students in six or seven cities, and my brand has officially gone under a change, and pretty much by January, I will be Scholarship Lady U.S., just getting some legalities and things taken care of. But for the most part, I didn't want to be just helping people in a small area. I felt like there was such a challenge with kids being able to get money for college, and I just saw such a stress for students to try to pay that I decided, man, I need to sort of be wherever, you know, wherever God pretty much takes me. You know, where where I'm needed, I'm going to try to be, or at least now that I have six or seven people on my team, put people places where we can make a difference. See, you, you skipped over that big number that you just, you know, act like it's a regular <laughs> number. Um, you, you, so I need you to repeat it so people can actually understand exactly what you said. Uh, what happened is I generated about $6 million. Of course, it's never just me. And I like to tell people, you know, I'm not doing anything that's, you know, off the Richter scale or anything on my own. This stuff is a partnership. It is me sitting with students, me figuring out what it is they're trying to do. And I just think that I have some kind of, you know, just a connection to kids in my natural being because I care about their well-being first. And then I can sort of, you know, start feeling them a little better and understanding, oh, wow, so you kind of really want to do this. And so I think they start getting inspired. They start getting inspired. You know, I was one of those counselors that was on the, on the loudspeaker in the morning, you know, with morning announcements saying, I have 10 scholarships, you know, for, you know, starting at about $2,000. You need to come down and see me in the guidance office. And I would do those regularly. I mean, people in the hallways at my school would say, oh, my gosh, it's the scholarship lady. That's why I got the name. Because <laughs> I didn't name myself scholarship lady. Okay. Because they would say, oh, my gosh, because they knew that lady's going to come and try to make me do a scholarship. She's going to try to put me in that office and make me do something. So they would say, you are the scholarship lady. That's all you want us to do. I said, that's exactly right. That's all I want you to do is get the scholarships. And so, you know, at the end of the day, that name stuck. I thought, well, they don't know Miss Dickerson because some of them would say, Miss Dickerson, I forget your name. You're just the scholarship lady. I said, okay, that has a nice ring to it. So they actually just <laughs> so changed they, your name just automatically. You're, you don't even have a first or last name. I just don't have, one have name. a first name. I have no last name. Oh, Everybody wow. in that high school Everybody in that high school in the Maryland area, in the Prince George's County area, would just say, hi, scholarship lady. <laughs> I would just laugh. Oh, wow. I said, you know what? This is my calling. I mean, I really felt like I had found my fit. You know, it mm -hmm. was natural. It didn't feel like work anymore. I would stay long after the custodians at the high school putting scholarship books together. I mean, and so I did do some, you know, a little bit of grinding just to, kind of organize it and make it my own system. Mm -hmm. But before I knew it, before I knew it, I just had so many kids coming down there. And you know what? Even if they didn't want to mail them, for the longest time, I would just pay for the postage. And I would say, just bring it. Just bring it to me. I don't even want to hear anything about anything. No excuses. We're going to put these scholarships in. And mm -hmm. when they would win that scholarship money, it would start getting, you know, the excitement going in the school. And so before I knew it, I had parents calling me from other high schools. Can you come over here? Can you do this? My cousin goes to your school. You know, 
this and that, and it just started spreading that, man, this lady is really on fire somewhere in Maryland helping kids get money. And so I I just decided to just take a sort of a leap of faith for real, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to start doing some tutoring mm-hmm. in order to just make some kind of salary happen for myself. I decided to start tutoring. Um, there was a guy that was doing some in-home tutoring, and I partnered and started doing some work with him, and I started te- teaching English, which, you know, was my background anyway, and I started still volunteering my services at that point to people who would call me up. So I was still doing it at a time where it wasn't really the thing that was paying me. What was sustaining me was that I was tutoring. And then I ended up getting a school contract. Once I left the schools and went on my own, the school system contracted me back in the schools as a contractor to work with scholarship assistance for students who were free lunch and reduced free lunch in the Maryland area. And so that's really what got me really on a full swing because I then had enough money to at least pay my basic bills and keep me sustained while I was, you know, doing this outreach. Oh, that's awesome. And since we're, we're, you are the scholarship lady, can you tell us about some scholarships and which age that they actually start? The scholarships start whenever a kid can basically write a paragraph. <laughs> and when I say that, it's not just for high school seniors and juniors. People have this misconception that, you know, I just sit around, I don't do anything, and then all of a sudden, you know, at the end of my 11th grade, now I spend, you know, the, the next 200, 300 days just, you know, going crazy, trying to put in applications, trying to find scholarships. No. Young kids are eligible for scholarships. Some of the major brands that uh, little children utilize um, in their daily uh, living, you know, scholastic books you know, Jiffy Peanut Butter, you know, there's scholarships for all kinds of situations. And so if you, a parent that has a child that you feel is, seems to be very much attracted to her, the education, you know, they really love school, just seem to be big, even if it's not school, so to speak, but they just seem to want to learn and they're very, very energetic about it. You can look for scholarships, and you can just, you know, using search engines, you can use search engines and just type in what you'd like, you know, Jiffy Peanut Butter Scholarships for third graders. So I want to say that it starts there, and then you can get a scholarship all the way till you're a senior citizen. I mean, there are senior citizens who didn't finish school that decide that they want to go back and do something because, you know, they're now, you know, in a position where their kids are, they're actually grown. They're into nester people. And they need an opportunity now to make something happen for themselves because they didn't get that career they really wanted because their life showed up, you know, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. And so there's also scholarships for them. So it runs the whole gambit. Of course, my major business is going to be juniors and seniors. That's where I hang my hat most of the time mm-hmm. um, because why those students are, you know, in step to head to college. You know, they're about to head to college and, you know, either this year or in the next year. And so it's very important that, you know, I put the majority of my space and time in that. But again, I still, you know, do reach out for people that, you know, um, I can fit in, you know, during my hectic schedule now that I'm in seven cities. As of course, you know, how I met you. Yes. What? I was in Atlantic City, yes. you know, doing doing um, work. And of course, you always came and saw me, you know, speak at the uh National College Resource Foundation Black College Expo 
in uh, at Boone State University, mm-hmm. um, and that's where you know the uh, connecting the dots organization, which you know I'm so proud to be a part of in Atlantic City. You know, saw me. They brought a tour bus from New Jersey to bring kids to finally go and check out a, a college uh, seminar so they could get started on their scholarships. So connecting the dots has been giving back, and in doing that. They called me, you know, after they finally were able to sort of meet and figure out how we were going to get, you know, the administrative pieces together to get me there. And then, you know, it's now been five years that I've actually been working in Atlantic City and actually pretty much known you. So we've, mm-hmm. we've got a long history. And when you met me, you were you were saying, wow, I really you know, have been motivated to get my kids to understand it's sort of not just about the academics only or it's not just about you know, trying to get to college, it's about being able to pay for college. And you made me feel excited that, you know, not only could I just help some basic lay people, but there was professionals in the area mm-hmm. that also needed to understand that this picture is a lot bigger than what we imagined, that, you know, college has gotten out of hand. Everybody can agree that the cost of your state schools are up in the $20,000 range. For you to live on campus and attend a state college, I mean, that's $80,000 a year. And if you end up needing an extra year of college, you're at $100,000. So, you know, it's almost a necessity now to be Mm -hmm. in scholarship motion. It really is. I have a question for you. Is there something that we could do as teachers and as parents for younger children to make them more marketable and more likely to get these scholarships? Because I teach at the middle school level, and I know Ah. that there's scholarships available for them, but what can I tell them for characteristics that they need to start instilling in themselves whether it's academic or outside of school, that they might be a little bit more likely to get a scholarship. Yeah, and you know there's so many kinds of scholarships because there's volunteer scholarships, there's scholarships for academics, there's scholarships because you have a special talent. There's a scholarship because, you know, you are very strong in the sports area. So there's just a, 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 a total amount of scholarships that just run the gambit in so many different areas. And so I think what what uh, educators need to be thinking about is talking about their kids about, you know, things that they like and that they enjoy, you know, because why? You are likely to get a scholarship into something that you very much are strong in with some kind of impulse. You know, you need to start looking at where are my skill sets? Where, how do I stand out? Because everybody has something that is powerful, should they seek it. And I think that you know, the adults need to sort of get younger kids, especially the younger ones, those fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade students, start working on their writing skills. I mean, you know, I have an English background, as I told you, you know, me being in the media field first. I realize and know that a lot of students that I want to help, I end up spending a lot of extra time trying to help them just understand how to write basic five-paragraph essays and things like that. And so that's why I ended up writing workshops as well as a part of my scholarship lady, when I'm traveling, I might be in a city like, you know, in Miami or in Atlantic City doing a boot camp for SAT and ACT prep, for PSAT prep, for writing, getting kids to understand that you have to start working on, you know, how you tell your story on paper. But now with technology, we have a lot of scholarships that are video scholarships. I've ran into in the last year people who even find that it's a little difficult to sort of get that first thought on paper, they now accept video scholarships 
There's an organization called Do Something.org that's absolutely wonderful to get students started on. And it's called Do Something. It's a community service kind of platform. It gets students, they log on to do something.org. There's scholarships where if they're doing something, they can submit what they're doing, have it videoed, submit it, and win money. So I think students have to be in search mode, number one. You have to be a researcher and a search type of individual. You have to sort of decide, hey, think, I think I'm just going to sit at the computer or I'm going to you know, go talk to somebody and I'm going to start finding out what is available to me. But again, there, if you can't write and you're sort of afraid of that part, of course you don't want to ignore it because you're going to need that when you're going on to college. Your writing skills are going to be very crucial. But you know, I don't want people to feel like, oh, wow, I'm not you know, this prolific writer, so I'm never going to win. No, there's all kinds of things that people are looking for to give people scholarships for. So it's just an open field. And I'm going to let you go because I want you to get back to that beach that you're on. Um, how, can, how, can I, how can our listeners contact you for more information? Um, I would like to receive an, an email from them. My schedule's just gotten so hectic. An email would be really appropriate. They can email me at ScholarshipLadyUS at Outlook.com. Again, ScholarshipLadyUS at Outlook.com. Or they can log on my website directly, the ScholarshipLadyDC.com. Um, by January, that website will be officially all turned over to U.S. Right now, it still has D.C., so, you know, that's still me, just in case you see Scholarship Lady D.C. There's a Talk to Me link on there. You can just talk to the scholarship lady, type in something that's going to come straight to me, whatever, you know, uh, is appropriate for your time. Okay, and I want to thank you so much for your time, and I'll be reaching out to you um, so we can talk some more because I need to be able to pick your brain as much as possible so I can get more information because, you know, everybody well, knows that, everybody knows I don't really like to read. I just go do, do stuff. So um, Yeah, well, you, you know what, Kareem, all yes. I can say is that we want to give a shout-out to you because <laughs> you've always kept in contact with me. You've always said, hey, when you're in town, let's sit down. I mean, you've been very much concerned with, with kids, and that's why anytime you needed me, you know, and I told you continually, you know, whatever I can do to help you do your job, please don't hesitate. Okay. I appreciate that. So I'll be, I'll be talking to you soon. All right. Yeah. I have to get back to the poultry. Yes, I Bye. Know. Enjoy. <laughs> okay. So we have the business diva in that's the building. That's correct. We've been waiting all morning. I so, apologize. Well, you, you, you sent me a text, and you said that, you know, you're, you've been walking around. And I don't think that you're actually walking around. I think you're looking to buy the building. <laughs> that's what I think that's what's going on. So you was actually out doing your own survey, seeing how you can actually buy the entire building. I was prospecting the building. You were prospecting? Yes. <laughs> so, so for our listeners, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. So uh, I have a show called Money Talk with Melanie. Mm -hmm. uh, it's on SHR Media and High Plains Clinic Talk Radio, but I'm also an educator, actually a recovering educator. I uh, was a uh, professor at Rowan University, an adjunct professor teaching computers and uh, at secondary high schools teaching financial literacy and business law and marketing, accounting, computer applications, all that fun stuff, computer programming. Mm. So, and we we talk in text and things of that nature. Tell us what it is that you do. What did you do to me? <laughs> let's, let's start there. I'm petty. What did you do to me? 
<laughs> looking well, at my money. I, I, I said I'm a recovering, a recovering teacher because I'm now. Okay. I've had the the show called Money Talk with Melanie for about two years now, and okay. my listeners often will inbox me or, or you know contact me on some type of social media asking me financial questions, mm-hmm. and uh, the person who recruited me heard my show and mm-hmm. said, do people ask you questions all the time about finances? And I was like, yes. And he's like, well, why don't you do it professionally? Mm, okay. <laughs> so now I'm a pro- I am a, uh, an independent financial services provider. Okay. okay. Now, you, we did an analysis of my, we're not going to tell people about my money, but we did I'm analysis. Tell, I'm, tell, I'm telling all <laughs> no, the details tell, now. No. All right. So, so how, how important is that to do the analysis? It really is uh, important. I think I think as you found out, and, mm-hmm. and actually have a couple things to talk to you about. But <laughs> no, but it really is important to do an analysis. And what what I found is that there always seems to be a, a hole somewhere when you look at the entire financial picture. Okay. I was just meeting with um, a lot of people have ideas like in their head about how they're going to, to do things. I have a lot going on in my head all the right, time. Right? And, and, and how things are going to happen with the retirement or, or funding their kids' college education or, or you know, or things like, or, or something were to happen to me, well, I have, you know, this amount of insurance and that should be fine. Mm-hmm. But then when you do the numbers, mm-hmm. particularly if you have an insurance policy that's, you know, a couple of years old and mm-hmm. your life has changed you've had a baby or now you have a, a kid in college or, or mm-hmm. your kids have left the home things change all the time so you have to really look at your financial goals as early as possible analyze your entire financial picture mm-hmm. and see if everything is working together like a well-oiled financial machine that okay. that's really the goal okay. but a lot of times we uh, miss that and, and it's very common I okay. mean I, I find it all the time there there's some hole somewhere mm-hmm. either people are overinsured in, in, in one area mm-hmm. and not insured well enough in another area okay um, or they, they totally are not ins- not insured at, at all mm-hmm. uh, in, in a really important area that they hadn't thought about and it only takes you know it only takes one life-changing unexpected event to really ruin you financially or your your family mm-hmm. So financial health is really important, but the, the, the best thing about my job is when I can cut stuff out of there. Because, you know, when people think of financial advisors, they're, all, they're always thinking of like, oh, they're going to get me to spend money. But a lot of times, you know, the analysis, particularly ana- the analysis part, mm-hmm. you know, we can find areas where it's like, you actually really don't need to do this. You should take that money and put it over here. You're still spending the same amount of money, but it's going to work better for you. But what if you like money here. like me and I like spending money? And that's a problem. But if you have a budget, it's not a problem. That's the thing. I mean, you people have to do what they're comfortable with as long as it's financially healthy. And sometimes people do like to spend, but as long as you're using a reasonable budget, it's okay. Like if you say, you know, I want to spend, you know, the typical entertainment part of your budget should be maybe 10%. If you really like entertainment and you have the money... <laughs> And you want to make it 25%, go for it, as long as you have an emergency fund set up already, as long as you have your retirement fund set up already, as long as you're properly insured and protected, as long as all of that stuff is in place, have fun. I can go on vacation for 41 days. How's your car car holding up this week? You can have a ball. Oh, we're good this week. No issues this week. week. So I had to spend no money on the car this week, which is good. And and, and, And more important than that, as long as your debt is handled, that's another huge... Mm-hmm. area that people don't pay attention to okay. is the amount of debt they're in, particularly when they're trying to protect what they're already making. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how modest it is. Like a lot of people feel like, oh, well, I, you know, if I, if I seek out a financial professional, it's only for people with money. It's like, no, 
the reason people have money is because they sought out a financial professional. Okay. Usually so. Well, let, let me ask this because I'm really petty and I'm really petty with my money. So I like spending money on things that I like spending money on. Like I'll go buy a $10 lamp, but I'll buy a pair of shoes for $400. I, I, I feel you. Yeah, so that, that, I hear you. What do you mean? A ten dollar lamp? Shoes? Yes. Oh yeah, that's, yeah. Your feet feel like know, walking man. on heaven. Yes. I'm gonna have to start paying attention to what uh, you have on listen, your feet now. Listen, you, you walk. It's like you walking on air, and that's what you want. I have a friend who is into pens. He really likes nice pens, and he spends that on pens, like three hundred bucks. On a pen? I don't yep. do that much writing. He really? And he's a lawyer. Oh, but, okay. Uh, <laughs> he does a lot of writing. Okay. He does a lot of writing. So this, yeah. this, 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 my particular segment is really trying to prepare students, teachers, and um, student teachers and parents to return to school. So what advice, like going into the school year, what, what should they be thinking about as far as their money? As far as their money is concerned, they re first of all, students, particularly high school students, should be thinking as early as possible, and, and also the ones who are transitioning into college, about not going into debt. If that is the one thing that I can impress upon students at large is not going into debt early is so tempting when you mm -hmm. get that, that freedom. Okay. And for parents, I would say holding their kids accountable and making them pay for stuff when they're going into school from a financial perspective. I find as an educator that parents, by and large, don't make their parent, their kids pay for anything. Okay. Don't make them go halves. Don't make them work because they have sports. They have no what, what? skin in the game. Well, and this is what are the kids paying for. I hope I'm not throwing. I, hope I'm not throwing no, shade throw, on anybody no, in the room. Under, under bus no. what, what are the kids paying for? Um, I did. They wanted expensive sneakers for basketball a few years ago, and I had the set number that I was willing to pay for their shoes, and one found a pair that was double. And I said, you have money in your account. If, if they are the shoes you want, you kick in the other half and, and they're yours. Mm. And so we have made them pay for certain things, but there's still a lot of work to be done in my Did house. Did they give you an angry look when you was at the store? No, he no. wanted them. So they give me angry looks when I don't give them their money for dumb things that they want, like their birthday money put away and they want something for like $7 and they have mm. 30 of them already. I'm like, you don't need that. Mm. We're going to hang on to this till it's something that you need. Mm. And that's. I think they take care of it better, too, when they have their money invested in it, especially, I'm assuming, in education as well. When they're on the hook for that money, they're not going to blow off a class or mm -hmm. you know, not turn that paper in. Absolutely, absolutely true. Absolutely true. And it's, it's good to teach them those lessons, too, about spending on little things like those impulse buys because they totally add up. And another thing that I, I would advise parents to do uh, with their teenagers is to have them have their own account and start managing mm -hmm. it as soon as, like maybe by junior year, really start managing it on their own. I find a lot of parents whose kids have accounts, but the parents are managing the accounts. And it's like, okay, you're not really, I mean, it's great that they have their own money, but you're not teaching them how to manage. If you don't allow them to make financial mistakes now that are not going to be like, now I can't pay my mortgage, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Then, I mean, you can monitor it, but you should let them manage it. Let them, you know, know, know how to write a check. Let them know how to, you know, teach them how to balance their checkbook. It's, in New Jersey, it's required. You should be learning how to do that. Financial literacy classes mm -hmm. are required. So we teach them how to uh, balance their checkbook. But they should know how to keep track of their money. And, and if, if the money's gone, mom and dad don't step in and say, okay, well, I'll cut. No, don't cover it for them. Have them work out a budget, especially senior year. You got prom, mm -hmm. senior trip, you got rings, pictures. It's a lot of money mm -hmm. senior year. 
Limo, you've got the limo. Uh, the, the, the dilemma? Yeah, oh, dilemma. They, well, they're like, you know, everything's like all extra now with yes. the prom. Like, you know, my, my date just came and picked me up. Wasn't even my boyfriend. <laughs> just like some friend. And that was it. But now you, they go all out for the prom. Oh, they absolutely. should be saving for that. It's the last dance. It's the last dance. Mm-hmm. But they, but the, that's their prom. They should mm-hmm. be saving for that. They should be saving for the $400 gown. Is there a magic formula or anything? Like I've heard about the 50-20-30 rule. Do you advise anything like that? 50, 20, 30. That's mm-hmm. like, that? if that doesn't apply to you. I'm sure, I'm sure there's something in there that you're not going to like. It's a lot of people. What, what's the 50, 30, 20? The 50, 20, 30, from my knowledge, is you take all of your income and 50% needs to go towards all of your essentials, like your rent, your mortgage, your car payment, your food. 20% goes towards your savings, your retirement, and then 30% is for your shoes, <laughs> that candy wrong. you're eating, <laughs> that Hamptons vacation, and we know someone who's there. <laughs> exactly. And many people, well, here's the thing. That, that's a good rule to use. And so, sometimes we need rules to help Mm-mm. as guidelines. Well, you, know, rules. Yeah, rules. you know what I mean? So that you avoid doing stuff like, you know, what, one of the biggest reveals that I used to do with my students is to have them do a budget and they realize how much stuff costs. And it's like, okay, you only have this amount of money. And they're like, well, the cheapest apartment I could find is like, 75% of my budget, I'm like, mm, that's a problem. You need a roommate. But, right. <laughs> you need a roommate. But, but the fact of the matter is that even as adults, we do that with our money. You know, we go find that apartment, we buy that car. Mm-hmm. And, yes. Right? And we're like, oh, the car payment's 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. Well, I make this month a month, much a month. I can afford that. Now, mind you, we don't count, you know, the $75 a month we spend at Starbucks in, in the mm-hmm. meantime. You know, adults do that all the time. And so having some type of guideline, whether it's whether it's you're using that formula as a guideline or any other guideline, the Internet is, is full of different guidelines that you can use for your budget. But you need to have one and actually use it. Sergio, it's a- <laughs> Sergio I got to bring you in because I'm not agreeing with anything that she's saying right now. I know she's a business diva, but she has too many rules when it comes to my money. How are you spending your money? Oh man, that's I'm not even gonna lie. When she brought up the 50, 20, 30 rule, you knew what that head. was. Yes, I, I teach that to my students as well. They're like, "How can I manage my money?" Because they just first get in their starting jobs, they're doing their sales associates like me. How I was a Best Buy, and I, I tell them, "Hey, let's let's use the 50, 20, 30 rule. It's probably the easiest way we can figure something out." And they look at it they're like, "What?" They're like, "Maybe I can do the twenty percent. I can keep that for myself, and the thirty percent I can save." I said, "Hey, let's do it that way." Or they realize the fifty percent. They really don't got bills, so they they kind of work it away right. a different way. I'm, I'm confused because I've never <laughs> heard of this fifty, thirty, twenty. When did it come into play? Uh, Was for, this like a new thing? Uh, for myself, um, I used it uh, when I used to go through summer program. I used it, and I was googling things for myself to figure out what a like, how can I figure out my own budget because I have my own. I, I, everything you're saying, I'm like grinning. I'm like, oh my god, yes, you agree with me? yes. You saying uh, yes? I was I had, saying no in my head. I'm like, no. <laughs> everything she's saying is wrong. She's she's messing up my weekend. I had my I had my own I had my student account through TD Bank. My mom was like, hey, get your student account, manage your own money. My parents never managed my own money. They never uh, had given me money during school. So for myself, everything I bought was like everything I took care of. Like to this day, I worked the best. Buy had my had my Best Buy credit card had my zero percent paying off my mm-hmm. my TV and I'm like that's my big screen 56 inch screen TV so I was happy to own that and things like that so it, it really is awesome that's like, interesting because my mind worked a little different so <laughs> let's say if I wanted to give me a cup of coffee I'll go around I can get ten cents from everybody and I can go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee <laughs> that's no interest I have to pay back because only for all ten cents and then I ask them like how petty are you for asking me back for ten cents. 
Really? Really, though? Listen. This is what you're... That's how my mind works. It's like socialism. I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, like everybody else gives you money. This is America. This is how it works. <laughs> we want to keep borrowing from people and not ever pay anything No, back. we actually don't want to keep borrowing from people. Borrowing is bad. They have to pay, pay cash. You don't actually... If you're borrowing, you're a slave. Debt is slavery. It is absolute abject, and I know it's like weird coming from the brown side of the table, but I'm just saying it's, <laughs> well, it, I, I, it is, it's, it's slavery. I, You're enslaved I, to that person. I grew up in an impoverished neighborhood, and the, the slogan was, well, you take it in blood. That's what it was. If I can't pay you back, you take it in blood. So if you can't beat me, that means you can't get your money back. Wow, though. Wow, though. So, so, so we're, we're going to operate with the, the, the legal forms of financial management, right? Okay. <laughs> rather than the other forms. Uh, but, but really, debt is slavery, and, mm-hmm. and is, if you can avoid it as much as possible, stay out of debt. That's that's the biggest thing. And, and mm-hmm. like I said, with, with parents starting school now, if you haven't started a 529 plan, if you know mm-hmm. your kid's going to college, mm-hmm. if you haven't started a 529 plan, it's, it's almost never too late, particularly if you have money to sock away in it. Yeah. There's you, no... You, you have to break that down. Because remember, I'm controlling this ship today, so everybody that will be normally listening to me, so they already turned the radio off, so I only have the petty <laughs> people listening to me. So you have to break it down. So a 529 plan is... is uh, look. At, you can look at it kind of like a retirement plan, but that's specifically for college funding. Okay. So it, you can spend any... You can take the money out of that account as long as you spend it on anything with college completely tax-free, as long as it's a college expense. Mm. So you wanna, you wanna start that as soon as possible. Now, I again, if you're planning on paying for your kid's college, again, from a, from a strictly moral perspective, I think that your kids should have some skin in the financial game if you want to teach them mm-hmm. about being responsible for their finances. I really don't believe that parents should be, unless you know your parents are like ridiculous wealthy, but even still, I don't think parents should be paying 100% for their kids' education. It's their education. Mm-hmm. They should be contributing mm-hmm. to that education. Uh, because as was stated earlier, like if you don't have skin in the game, what mm-hmm. somebody, somebody earlier on the panel said it, mm-hmm. they don't take it as seriously. And as a college professor, mm-hmm. I can definitely tell the kids who their parents are completely paying for their college mm-hmm. or the person is, or the students working their way through college. There's a marked difference and that their effort and how, how well they do, you can tell because they, they it's their money. Mm-hmm. Can, so, can anybody contribute to the 529 plan? So it, if your kids are working, they can put $20 into it. Eligibility is very uh, open with the 529 plan, so anybody can put money in there. There's a, a lifetime limit, but there is no like annual limit like you have with an IRA or something mm-hmm. like that. So a 529 plan, as soon as your kid's born, I would start the 529 plan. Hmm. You know, just like anything else, as soon as you get that new job, you want to redo all your retirement stuff and make sure everything's rolled over in the right place. 529, similar situation. And you can, you know, if you do it, the earlier you do it, mm-hmm. the less you have to put in over time. And even if the kid starts out with, you know, 20 grand, 50 grand, you still have really helped your kid significantly mm-hmm. with their education. And, you know... Is that trade school education too? Trade school, anything that's education. Trade okay. school education as well. Not just college. And, right, exactly. Not just college. Very cool. I've never heard of that before. Mm-hmm. So it has to be sec- it has to be a secondary college. Trade school is considered secondary education. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yep, anything that's a college expense, you can pay, you can spend it on, which is well. I'll great. say this right because um, you had mentioned can anybody contribute? 
Take a person like me. Would it be good to give me money and expect me to put into a file 29 plan? Because I know where I'm going. I'm going right to the store. <laughs> yeah, but if you take it out, here's the thing. If you take it out and you spend it on anything except the college expense, mm-hmm. then it's taxable. Then no, Uncle, what's the current Uncle, tax Uncle, Uncle Sam's going to get you. I don't have no uncle's name Sam. And it's going to be. Taking in blood. <laughs> you can say, I have no uncle's name Sam. Yeah, you'll be penalized just like you would with a retirement mm-hmm. fund when you take that money out early it, it, and mm-hmm. it's not for like some kind of severe mm-hmm. emergency. Same situation. Mm-hmm. You're going to be penalized. I have an uncle named Shanghai, but I don't have an uncle called Shanghai. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you have to be you have to be really careful. But I, I highly recommend mm-hmm. uh, um, doing that so that your kids, no matter, have some kind of like at least jump off point. Okay. You know, with their secondary education well, and with their college. With those two, I think the, the parents are helping while they can early. And I think, so you do have your parents' support, but then it does put them in the game and they should be mm-hmm. able to pick up a little bit more now that you've taken a decent chunk out of what they're going to owe. But and that independence in college too, that, that first semester when they get to do whatever they want if they're away and they don't have to answer mm-hmm. to anybody, it, it is easy for them to get wrapped up in the blowing things off and not showing up to class and oversleeping and stuff like that. So I think they do need to have a lot invested into it. Right. And, and that's why, you know, that responsibility shouldn't be like culture shock to mm-hmm. them. You know what I mean? Like if they're already working, they're junior or senior year. I've been working since I was 12. Like I, I, all those expenses I talked about my senior year, I paid for. That's not 100% today's, out today's of my pocket. generation isn't quite that hard work ethic isn't. Not at all. Not at all. But we, you know, the generation, I think, ex-parents, I think, are now starting to realize, wow, we really mean, maybe we did a little too much. We might have, I mean, I know we we were trying to help, but we might have did a little too much for our kids. And and they, they do. I, I got, I've, I've received emails from parents as a college professor. Mm-hmm. And of course I lit into the student. I'm like, is your mommy sending me emails? Mm. You're in college. I'm a professor. I don't do parents. That's not how it works anymore. No, I really. <laughs> that, that's the advantage of being a professor. No you're parents. being nice about that. Cause I, I know teachers that don't want to hear from them. Well, I don't, but you can't say that when you're a public school teacher. But you, as a professor, you can say that. You can. You can write it on the piece of paper. Don't send me no more emails. You can have your son email me. Or have your daughter email me. Don't contact me anymore. Please don't call me. Yeah. Yes. So it's interesting. So we, we definitely need to bring you back because we have to go into more, more discussion about finances. Sure. Um, not talking about mine. We're going to talk about everybody else's finances. We're not talking about taxes. We're going to talk about everybody else's taxes. We're just not going to talk about me. I have all the details <laughs> of all the information. <laughs> <laughs> So, but this is fun. So, so parents, if you're out there, you know, start your 529 as soon as possible. And don't forget that your child can even, even start doing research on scholarship as early, as early as possible. So like the scholarship lady said, they have the Jiffy, Jiffy Peanut Butter Sandwich Scholarship that's worth 25000 You You have other scholarships where so they can do community service. You have video scholarships. So there's plenty of ways for your child in the summer, instead of doing those packets, to get to work and start thinking about how they're going to pay for college. Because college is not getting any cheaper, and it's going to be getting more and more expensive. So, like the business diva said, put some skin in the game and have your kids get to work. You said at 12? Yeah, I, I started working at 12. Oh, so okay. did I. But I was a bus girl. Yeah, my parents were, girl. were old school. They were like, These oh. jobs were. There wasn't no jobs like that in my neighborhood. <laughs> oh, I was rocking designer clothes when I was 12. My mom was like, you need to get a job, sister. Which <laughs> so, so. was you weren't against at 12? Yes, I was. All right, thank you guys. And um, again, we're going to talk about this a little bit more.